2: and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset.
0: We are 1,048 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and two very special guests from Cutting Through the Matrix, Weston and Melissa. Weston, Melissa, we'll start with the two of you today. How are you today? Very well. Thank you. Doing good. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. Bruce, how are you today? Have you calmed down from yesterday from that horrible
3: bout with that criminal, excuse me, the insurance adjuster that you had to deal with? Hmm um healthy and alive uh as far as that is concerned no Uh, that's still an ongoing uh it gets even worse i i um looked over the uh um paperwork that he has and uh yeah it's not it's not good Uh, i i was not i was no no it's definitely gonna have to take some revisions and um yeah i'm hopeful that you will get it all sorted out in the end
0: and to that end I suppose today, usually the the day that you guys are on, we talk about uh, the great work that you do over at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and the life collected works of the late great Alan Watt. Uh, and before we get into some of these subjects today, I think uh, one of the main subjects we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some COVID stuff. And I wanted to, because of the, w- the conversation we were having in, in prep, I want to talk about state-sponsored subversion, <laughs> terrorism, or, or whatever. I mean, I suppose we could go that way with it. Extremism. But, you know, the, yeah, extremism, the, the January 6th thing. And, and they foiled another coup attempt here today. And we can talk about the past issues and things like that. But uh, before we do that, uh, tell us about some of the updates and some of the work that you guys have been doing over at your website?
4: Well, the most exciting thing or the newest thing is that I started a new podcast last Thursday, the 19th, and I entitled it Real History with Melissa. It's going to be oral histories. It'll have a kind of a loose format. The first one, uh, I gave it the sub, the secondary title of Cross Country And I was telling some stories about my family and a trip I had recently made and observations I had on that trip. And I played some music, different types of music, but I kind of focused on some bluegrass there and tied that in with the OxyContin and general fentanyl, just the general drug crisis in the US and in basically around the world. And what I wanted to do, what gave me the idea back in the fall was speaking with one of Alan Watt's longtime listeners who was a retired LAPD street cop. And he was just talking about his work and his observations and, you know, tying some of it back to Alan's talks and what he had learned there and how he applied that as a policeman. But it was what was fascinating to me, especially, was how he, as a a beat cop, got into the minds of the informers, the criminal... He said he could always tell when someone was lying. And there there were just these things that he said that I'd never heard anybody say in any context. And and I thought, I should be recording this because it's fascinating and I'd like to listen to it again. And I bet other people would like to listen to it. And then I had a conversation with another, um, a a friend of Alan's and uh, also a longtime listener, a German woman. And she's been living in Canada for years, but she was born not too long after World War II. And her, she was born in East Germany, and then the family moved to West Germany. And it was fraught with, you know, they had to do it. The father took out two of the children. Uh, they, the family was separated for, I think, maybe even two years before the mother got there with the other two children. So it, it, there was an intensity to the story, and then also her observations about. As a child, not knowing what the word re-education was or the concept, or having ever heard of it, but looking back now as as an adult, understanding that that was what she was going through as a as a child and a student. So, after tossing the idea around in my head for a few months, I thought, well, it's kind of scary, but I think I'm just going to jump off the cliff and do it. And it it's. You know, I, the, the, this Thursday, I'll be putting up a conversation that I'm going to have this evening, and hopefully all the technical equipment, it'll all run smoothly, but I'll be speaking with Faith from Canada. And uh, Faith, you know, she's got a lot of different interesting stories, I think, but one of the ones that I really want to get out there to listeners is that she had gone to a church in, in Canada for nearly 30 years, her whole life. And when it got out to her, got back to her pastor that she was not vaccinated and had no intention of being vaccinated for the COVID-19 round, um, he kicked her out of church. And I just, I thought, Alan always talked about how important real history was, you know, people's history, what we live through, what we observe. And he said, you know, history, the way that it's presented to the public, it's written by the victors, the conquerors, the the ruling so class.
1: Even before it happened.
4: Yep, And he said, it, it's so important Sorry. that your histories be passed along orally, that, you know, small communities, families, often it's the matriarch who keeps track of, uh, what, you know, their own family history. And I just happened to live around the corner from my 93-year-old aunt. And while I was recording my piece, I thought of a story that she told me. I just picked up the phone and held up her talking into the mic for a minute or two about some family history. But I think that, I don't know, I, as I was talking on the first podcast, I said, maybe this is my little time capsule. And, and I think that's what it is. I think that our stories are what matter. And so that's the concept.
0: Well, I have to say, um, I'm looking forward to listening to it. I wasn't sure that it was up, but uh, I'm I'm glad that it's up and I'm going to go give it a listen. I will be subscribing. You say it's available on Spotify? Yes. Yes.
4: It, it is. Yes.
0: Okay. And what's the name of West, it?
4: Weston, uh, it's called Real History with Melissa.
0: Real History with it's, Melissa.
1: Okay. Real History is in, quote, quote, real history is in quotation marks. Okay. Melissa. Yeah. So it's right.
4: Real History with Melissa. And then each week I'll give it a, a, a secondary title depending on the content of the conversation. And
0: they do that. So what you said there, I, th- I think is, uh, is really important is, is passing on our personal history and our personal experiences to others. And, you know, I, I find that I get more context out of things in day to day life, actually talking to real people. I know that you had mentioned before that that Alan used to say that he would rather talk to his his local plumber than somebody that's in like an elected office or something. And I would rather have that conversation with exactly the same person. I want to talk to the person. I want to talk to the guy that owns the bakery. Not only is he the owner, he's also the head chef at the place, right? It's his business. I want to talk to that person. That person is dealing with the public on a daily basis. That person sees the world for what it is, not someone that's stuck in an ivory tower somewhere that's disconnected from reality, like we talked about yesterday. I want to have a a conversation. I mean, a real conversation. And do you know how hard it is to have a real conversation with somebody? It's very difficult. I, I was sitting down and I was talking to someone who is somebody that deals with the public on a daily basis? Okay. They're not in politics. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I'm not sure the person would be, you know, okay with me mentioning what they do and, and who they are. So I'll just leave it at, at that. And whenever we sit down and have a conversation, it's like an hour passes, and we don't even notice it, because we just start Mm. talking about things as in like relevant things like, um, and it starts with one thing, like, what do you think about a central bank digital currency? Or, you know, what do you think about um, (laughs) this, uh, this electric car stuff? What what do you think about that stuff? What do you think about this climate change stuff? And it it just, it turns into, uh, you know, an entire conversation. And you can't have that with other people. They just kind of Whenever you bring up a, a, a real subject with somebody, they just kind of look at you. You know, they, they just kind of stare yeah. at you like, what are you talking about? And mm-hmm. that that's it. And I, I want to say that it goes to it goes to what Alan used to talk about, where he says, look, it's not your fault that you were born into this system. It's just right. the way that, you know, you're, you're stuck in it. It's up to each person to be able to get themselves out of that as in it goes along with what you're talking about, cutting through the matrix, you've got to look beyond this. You've got to look past the zeros and ones of the binary system. You've got to see the actual code of what's happening in the world. And most people can't do that. And so I'm glad that you have... Uh, this new venture that you're starting on. And and I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing your stories. And I hope other people go over and subscribe to your podcast too. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and I hope that it gets off the ground the way you want it. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of work. I, I can tell you that where we started with this one and where we are now is 180 degrees in the opposite direction of where we thought we were going to be. So it takes a lot of time. Um, and, and I know that, uh, you know, is like the dedication that you guys have over there and the dedication that the two of you have, you're going to do great at it. So I hope that it's a success for you.
4: Oh, thank you. Thanks. I'm, I am looking forward to it. it. It's so far, it's been fun. Um, Another thing, too, is there and I'll have a conversation with this woman, but she has done the very heavy lifting and most of the transcribing of Alan Watts talks and shows that he did like on RBN. And she's been at this for 16 years. She has transcribed his talks and she just wrapped it up. I think it was two weeks ago she finished the very last transcript. So uh, we, uh, Weston has taken the transcripts, learned how to put them in a little booklet form rather than printing them out on an eight by 10. And we offer them just as, you know, cheap as dirt for anybody who wants to order them. We'll send them to them in bulk or individually, and they can share them that way. And it's just nice because it's a little booklet, but the the transcriber and I will give her name I I'm sure on a real history when I we talk she'll be happy to share her name but I'll I'll wait until then but for now she's the transcriber I also sometimes call her the angel from the west coast but
0: the transcriber she I like has
4: yeah, the transcriber yeah. she's got some very good ideas for ways to just get Alan's transcriptions out into the world in a bigger way and, and, and share them in interesting different formats. For instance, grouping them by subject matter, you know, instead of putting them necessarily in chronological order, if you want to find out what, and you know, he was all over the map. He could put in 40 different topics, cover them in depth in a 45 minute Show and you never felt that you were being rushed or he was just talking, you know, rapid fire, anything like that. But she will do this work of kind of cross referencing them. So if you want to find out what he said about the greening agenda or sustainability, um, here is a little collection of transcripts that you can get on that topic. So there are a lot of little ideas that we have for just making sure that people have the opportunity to. Find him in new ways, not just the fact that you can find a talk of his pretty much anywhere uploaded, but ways in which it's compiled so that people say, yes, this this helps me understand exactly what's going on today.
0: And I would encourage people as well to get as much in actual hard copies as you can, because as you hear from these people down in uh, down in Davos, Switzerland, the Internet's not always going to be there. And what Internet That's is right. there... You know, it's uh, it, it's entirely possible that, well, it's not entirely possible. They're actually doing it. They'll change the text in the actual That's digital right. document. So mm-hmm. I, I always recommend to people to get hard copies of whatever literature or whatever uh, subjects that you want to study.
4: I, and I, I give Weston the credit for helping me physically get this done, although I've certainly stapled my share of transcript booklets. But again, this was the idea of the transcriber. She said, I envision a time when no matter how well and carefully you have backed things up and how much of this is out there in that form, that will be no more. She said, did not Alan tell us it would be no more? There was a little window here. And she said, I think these booklets are small enough. You can fold them in half and stick it in your back pocket. And it's, you know, it's underground (laughs) for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. And I, I've got quite a uh, a library myself going on of what I think are, you know, the most important uh, books. And I, of course, I'm always expanding that. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about grabbing another copy of, uh, uh, of Science just before we started, but I screwed up and I didn't buy it this morning when I should have bought it. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, I was actually, uh, when, when Weston first came in, as in like the first time that he came in, I said, that's that's I'm jealous of that library you got going on behind you there. <laughs> I'm I'm jealous of that. That looks like uh, I could keep myself busy for quite some time. Uh, hard copies, absolutely. So, yes, I I've always recommended to people to to have hard copies of things, absolutely. You mentioned uh, the the COVID thing and and I I would like uh to get into some of that. Uh this this lady that you talked about that got thrown out of her church after 30 years because She wasn't vaccinated. I had uh, a similar story that I was explaining to you. Uh, They didn't get thrown out per se, but they were approached by people in their church right in the middle of the whole vaccine rollout. And they were asking them, hey, you know, did you go and get COVID vaccine? Did you did you go and get uh, everybody in the family vaccinated? And they said, no, why would we do that? And they just looked at them and said, well, we'll pray for you and then walked away. And it's like, how can a group of people that are religiously focused, how can you be turned around so much in this entire agenda? How is that even possible? You're supposed well, to be you can skeptical actually find of everything.
4: The, you can find the answer to that one in the good book because it said there will come a time when good will be called evil and evil good.
0: Yes, that's true. And that's, that's true. Where but we I, don't are. The, I don't expect I don't expect the the majority of the Christian faith to believe it. <laughs>
4: Well, you know, the answer to that is also in the same place, which is when I come again, will I find any faithful amongst you? That's and, true. you know, I don't I'm not going to be a Bible thumper here, but we're talking no, about a man. You know, <laughs> was, we're talking some common sense here. You know, it doesn't have to have a, even a religious connotation here. Will I find anyone who can think for themselves?
0: Go ahead, Bruce. I, I know that you always uh, get your two cents in when it comes to uh, laying into the uh, uh, the Christian community for doing absolutely nothing or
3: going in the opposite direction mm-hmm. of the way you think they should go. So go ahead. Well, I was just going to mention uh, you. You're talking about uh, how can someone that claims to be a Christian be so easily deceived? I think it's uh, I think it's an example of the difference between someone that claims to be a Christian and an actual disciple. Someone that actually believes. And is practicing. Uh, if you if you have someone that actually believes and is actually practicing, they're going to be skeptical of. Well, I mean, they're they're going to be mistrusting of government and mistrusting of of uh, the the newfangled drug. Because I mean, if you're a disciple, why am I concerned about what the world's new drug medicine, whatever? When you know and are in communication with the creator of the universe, I mean, kind of. You
4: know. I- people would sometimes uh, contact Alan specifically to talk about Christianity or their, you know, what is your position on it, which he would never really nail on the head in a way that satisfied people. But he would, you know, get these questions like, well, why is it that the, you know, my church says this, but that, you know, and he had a an answer that he shared a few times, quite a few times. And that, stuck with me, and that is Christianity, as it is promoted and practiced today, is a giant, it's a social club. You go to that club and you and everybody says, oh, I'm a Christian. Well, if you think about it, and I think we even touched on this before, to say that, you know, it means a lot of different things in a lot of different places. Um, But what it is, it's the badge of your membership to a club. And that's it. You've got the stamp of approval, and everyone knows your. T- and you know that co- that covers a multitude. Of and that also is your entree into feeling comfy cozy. But as Alan would point out, the red letters there are the words of the ultimate revolutionary. And I, I, you made a, a really vivid pictorial comment. Bruce, a few weeks ago when you said, you know, he came in with a bullwhip and chased the money changers out of the temple. So that is a, he's, that's a man of action who does not like corruption. To me, you know, that would be a nice Christian model, not some kumbaya kind
3: of thing. Christians have become too as as uh, we talked about on a, a, a another podcast, um, Christians are in when you look in Revelation, it, it describes the different churches towards uh, well, really just the different uh, dispensations of of the church, I guess is what you could call it, but the different uh, categories of church. And Laodicea is the fat and lazy church that mm-hmm. pretty much describes today. Um, you, you're you're lazy. You you like your ears tickled. You like the, um, as you said, comfy, feel-good messages. But um, in reality, Christianity is not comfortable at all. Uh, A lot of times, if you're standing on what you believe in Christianity, it is very uncomfortable. And in fact, you're going to receive a lot of persecution, a lot of, well, I mean, even... Uh, depending on where you are, you may end up getting killed because of your uh, stances. And you're here make... in the United States, you, you, you're you're too. It's too easy to be comfortable because life is so good.
4: And you make people angry too. If they get even a whiff of that off of you, you make them so angry because they go, "Well, who are you? You know, I'm just human. I'm doing the best I can. I'm I'm, I'm getting by here." Well, it's like no if you're going to walk around and even think that you're aspiring to that you got to be a little bit more than human because humans we're known to wallow in our you know what so it, it yeah it's exactly i i don't i don't like fat and lazy either
5: yeah or Christians.
4: rationalization and justification for every crummy thing that you do to somebody
3: i agreed and honestly the the example i was using there to describe a disciple versus uh, just someone that claims to believe um uh, I guess you could say a follower. That's also the problem that we're running into with the 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 way politics is heading here in the United States, or just anything, uh, society in general. The the whole if Christians would stand up for the principles that they believe in, you wouldn't have had the problems with Roe v. Wade. You wouldn't have had the problems with um, what we're seeing now with the way. Uh, government's headed, uh, you know, or uh, the way uh, the wokeness. other societal issues that we're having. Yeah, the, the wokeness, the other issues that society has, uh, the, the fatherlessness in the homes. You, you, you wouldn't have all these different things because the basic principles that, that Christianity, it's not even just that it's Christianity that teaches this. It is foundational to Christianity, but these are universal truths that even if you took the religion out, you know, having a father in the home research shows that's a big deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that that's if we would stick to those fundamental things, it would have society would not have collapsed so quickly, so easily.
4: Yeah. And, you know, you touched on something else there, too, Bruce, when you talked about discipleship, because if you actually read what Jesus was saying to his disciples, this was tough love in the extreme. You are to actually. Rebuke one another. If you read Paul, I mean, he's really calling them out for their uh, their very very bad habits. You know, the, the so called member of the church is sleeping with the you know so and so's wife, and that's been going on for thousands of years. But we're at a point now where. There's, not, there's barely even lip service to the founder's message. It is just new age all the way, and it's a transactional relationship. You know, God must love me because I drive a nice car and I live in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> God has been yeah. so good to me.
3: Uh-huh. And, you know well, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, go on. Uh, I'm I just going to point out the story of Ananias and Sapphira, if people are familiar with that. All they did was lie. That's all they did. They, they, they sold their property. And then brought a portion of that and said, here's all of what we got for the property and then held back some of the money. And then they were judged immediately uh, for lying like that. I mean, you don't see that kind of stuff nowadays. Like you you come before your pastor or something like that (laughs) or bishop or whatever denomination you're in and you tell a half truth and then keel over right then and there. That doesn't happen nowadays. That, no, that, that, the no, it doesn't. If you can get it If that. you
4: can get an audience with your pastor, because he's out shopping for a new Learjet. Yes, he's busy. You know? yeah, he's busy.
3: Or playing golf. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. He's got a
0: tea time he's got to make. He, You know, he doesn't have time to sit there and preach the word. You know, I I'd mentioned that a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about, we had one of our theological discussions on a podcast, which actually doesn't happen that often. So I'm I welcome the fact that it's here. Uh, but I I left the church when I was uh, about 18 years old, and again I I said it then I'll say it now uh, I left the church I didn't leave the faith I left the church, and the reason that I left the church is because it was at the the beginning stages of of what I could see was you know going out of the adolescent stage into adulthood, and it was just you know you started going from the youth programs up into the you know the adult classes and things like that for Sunday services and and Wednesday services and things, and I'm getting this. Feeling that, OK, this is all about money. This is not about the message or, or the word or anything. This is this is about running a business like that. That's what everything was turning into. Everything was production value and and bright lights and, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, what is this? What, what, what is this, this stuff like you were talking about, this new age stuff? What is it? I don't want to go to a rock concert. I, I'm there to, yeah. to better myself and, and further my relationship with the Heavenly Father. I'm not there to be entertained. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not there to be um, given a motivational speech to. That's not what I'm there for. I, I'm not there for that. I, I'm there to learn about what I can do You know, to, to better serve and, and, and have a, a strong, fulfilling life. And, and go about my business. That's what I'm there to do. And it's just, it's not that. I don't feel as as though it's been that. And so, no, there, yeah, go on.
4: Well, there's an excellent book called Bright Sided that was written by a woman named Bar- Barbara Ironreich, And she just passed away, I believe, last year. A uh, really good investigative journalist, writer, and bright-sighted is an excellent book. And she talks about the dangers of positive thinking. But one of the chapters she devotes to the new church, what you're, you know, the, the mega church or the prosperity church. And she, she she was not a religious woman, of, so and her wit and humor were, were very entertaining, but she said, you know, it, it seems to me as a casual onlooker that everyone wants something back for their devotion, and they give a lot of praise to God because, just what I was joking about a minute ago, he's so good to me, and he puts so much money in my bank, and she said, so, you know, Uh, He giveth me the best table at the restaurant. He supplieth my ATM with money, you know, and making jokes about it. But that is really where people have gotten that it is the expectation is you show up and you get something back. You praise him and that's money in the bank.
3: There's some it's they're getting it. They're getting their timelines messed up. It's not a. You 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 praise him and then oh I'm gonna get some money in the bank now as you said it's it's not not even close L- look at uh, some of the patriarchs if you will uh, uh, of the Christian faith like uh, Abraham uh, Abraham's a great example Abraham j- didn't all of a sudden you know start praising God and then all of a sudden oh there, there's Isaac oh I'm I I've got uh, you know wealth of cattle and land and all this like it wasn't something that was instantaneous overnight he built his relationship with God first and out of that came the 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 riches and everything else it's not a there's not a transactional thing you're pursuing god and in so doing you're 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 coming across uh, you know wealth he he opens doors for you it's not a there is no transactional thing. It's literally like a father and their son, their, their child. The father mm. is going to give good gifts. It's not a, I did something and, and got something in return. There is no transaction like that, especially mm. in the New Testament.
4: That's right. And, and maybe you'll get good gifts, but look, you might suffer. You might have to be put through your own crucible where you're in a fire for a long time <laughs> because fact, you're being burnished.
3: Uh, there uh, will I'll, be trials. I'll, I'll, That's that, yeah. It's I'll very stamp clear. down on that more. Very it's clear. It's going to happen. You will if you want the if you want the extra benefits and all that kind of stuff. You are going to go through fire. And I mean, as as it said, refiners fire. That that happens.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I You know, Alan told me once he was invited to the, to go to a, a church and he went a few times up somewhere in the Toronto area. And I think he, you know. Gave them some special music on his guitar a few times. But his very first impression of the church was the young miniskirt wearing women who were like, ah, fresh meat. Look, look. And it just, you know, what he what he was saying to me is that all of the problems of the world are right there. Every single one of them, the greed, the lust, the you name it; it's all there. It's not a special little place, a little haven of you know good and 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 high moral standards. It's the world. And he said there was a the preacher there he liked quite a bit because he was just giving it to him. You guys, you know, your sh- your skirts are too short, and I can see what's going on. You know, every week we can. Well, he lasted about a minute, you know. But seriously, they had him out of there in, in less oh, than a I'm year. Sure. Yeah. Nobody likes to be reprimanded.
0: Well. All right, Bruce, you want to comment on that before before we make the comparison into the churches where we are now?
3: Yeah, that's actually, the Bible actually says that he, uh, I believe the phrase is chastens his children, or or basically he, he disciplines his kids. Uh, so if you claim to be one of his, you're going to get discipline. Um, that's just the way it is. So, and I, I also want to point out those those Christians that say, oh, God's good to me, you know, I got money in the bank and all that kind of stuff. It also says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Keep in mind that uh-huh. rain, when they're talking here, they're talking to an agrarian society. Rain is a blessing. It happens to those that believe and do not believe. It, it, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, don't, don't get all, don't attach your belief to the outcome either you believe or you don't the outcome is like that's temporal you know it's going to change it's going to you know you're going to have ups and downs just as everybody else does have ups and ups and downs it's mm-hmm. where do you put your faith where do you root yourself where is your belief and you can take those those are standards that you should look at even if you're not religious find what your beliefs are your root is and you stand on that and then when you've done everything you can to stand on that continue to stand on that. If you believe this is the right thing to do, you stand on that. You know, it's as the other, uh, you know, we we use the phrase uh, a hill to die on. If you have those kind of principles, stand on it. You know, don't, don't let people sway you of that unless there's, you know, you want to be open to like facts and information, like literally, but anyway. Yeah. I know you said,
0: Bruce, um, something about disciples and here to tell us about disciples is the governor of the state of New York speaking in a church... Which was oh before, no,
4: I know this one. I church, know this
0: one. <laughs> about how she needs disciples. I prayed a yeah, lot to God yeah.
5: during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know, there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love? but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want you to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a hospital and are treated by somebody. You don't want to get the virus from them. You're already sick or you wouldn't be there. We have to solve this, my friends. I need every one of you. I need you to let them know that this is how we can Fight, fight this pandemic, come back to normal, and then start talking about the real issues that we have to fighting systemic racial injustice, which exists today. And if there's a denier, I will take you on any date because I've seen it, I know it exists, and we are not going to have a blind eye to this ever again any longer. Under my
0: yeah, okay, all right, <laughs> I, yeah. So th- this is where we are with with these mega churches now. That's where she uh-huh. was, by the way. She was speaking in yeah. one of those mega churches. But this this is yeah. where we are. This is what we've turned religion into and it's it's
4: absolutely uh, i've heard quite a few of those it's disgusting
3: well she's right though god did hand down the vaccine to you you just gotta which which capitalization is god (laughs) because (laughs) we we are still in a pagan society you can have idols and (laughs) worship you know at the feet of many gods. There's many out there, uh, yourself included. Uh, so it just depends on who you're worshiping. So yes, she is right. Technically it was God that handed down the God of the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical (laughs) industry.
4: I don't, I don't want to wish anyone ill will, but as she was holding her necklace and saying, her "vaccinated this her,
3: necklace
0: that was 14 karat uh, gold," I might vaccinated, add. Vaccinated,
4: yeah. Oh, was it? it well, was. I was just thinking. I hope. I hope that's not the crucifix you die on, honey, because you know that's.
0: They're not taking these <laughs> because things. because there's a lot of fallout. Yeah. They're not. They're not taking these things. I I was no. looking at a. Uh, uh, we played a video last week of it was an Australian pilot, and he said that the uh, pilots and crew across the Western world are being bombarded by the so-called elites, like, you know, elites. <laughs> they're being bombarded by them with offers to go and work for them privately. And they're specifically requiring that they be unvaccinated to fly. Their planes. I heard
4: that. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. So, you know, another uh, another story that I just saw yesterday was a doctor and his uh office manager were arrested in utah or indicted in utah because they were they had destroyed government property did you read about that they
0: i did read about threw that.
4: out the vaccine yeah
0: the plastic they, surgeon so they, i think yeah
4: yep they threw out vaccines and they gave saline vaccines and what was you know I was reading the story but i got down to the main point of it they were doing this for parents who wanted their children to, to think, think
1: to think they were vaccinated.
4: yeah but not to actually have to suffer the fallout of that. So I, I was looking at, you know, the, the response to that seemed to be universally, this guy's a hero.
0: Yeah. And, and the same case happened over here with a nurse. Uh, she said, you know, she, she knew what was going on with the vaccines. And she specifically filled the vials or filled, uh, filled the syringes with saline water. And so every time somebody would come in to get vaccinated for COVID-19, she'd give them saline water. She knew what was going on and she wouldn't be able to live with herself. And so uh-huh. what happened to her? She was arrested and now she's facing prison time because of it for the same thing, for destroying government property and taking contract money for the uh, the practice. But this was a photo that was uh, that was sent around this morning. This is somebody that walked into their local uh, clinic or, you know, their, their private practice. And this is posted up around there. And it says, please ask us about the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, you see on the left side here, you've got a whole bunch of vaccine myths, whole bunch of myths. And then you've got facts to repute all of those those myths there on the side. It has horrible side effects. They see that's a myth, has horrible side effects. Responses may include a sore arm, fatigue, headache, fever, chills, and or nausea. These reactions are normal. Perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. Uh, It's been... And and
3: you're also meaning the, the 1,400 pages that Pfizer you know, the, the, the ones that they had hidden and then they, released and
0: all those oh no you, goes, don't, 14, yeah, you don't need to worry about those. no no, no well we we heard uh, from albert borla hmm. yesterday when he was on cnbc he said our people hmm. have looked into it the cdc they've looked into it and they found no problems whatsoever uh, so okay. we, we've got independent investigators that are working with major scientific institutions and they found no problems so everything's fine no yeah okay, oh, right. okay. so yeah this well, is okay. i
4: feel better about it now then but, I guess you I should
0: you it. should feel better about it absolutely uh, <laughs> It's next myth. It's been rushed. Well, that's a myth. You see, the fact is the technology used to develop the vaccines have been under research for decades, for decades. Yeah, it has. But that part is true. It has been under research for decades, yeah. but it's been the same outcome in every case when they tried to develop something with it. And it's not good. So that's why they have never CRISPR, been able to do it through.
3: Hasn't CRISPR? CRISPR only been around uh, the the actual, you know, the, the finding the, the proteins that do the. Uh, scissor action. I thought that was fairly mm-hmm. recent, like within the, the Cas 2000s, 9 thing, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. The mm. Cas9 thing. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. The mRNA thing, that was actually contrived. I want to say it was in the 80s is when they stumbled upon that. Yeah. It, 70s like, or 80s, actual, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere yeah. along in there. Next vaccine myth, I will get COVID-19 from it. Well, you see, that's a myth. The fact, you can't get COVID-19 from the vaccine. It doesn't contain a live virus. Well, you see, it, you, the vaccine is not going to give you that. So it's a myth. Next myth, I've had COVID-19 so I don't need it. Well, the fact of that is, protection after the virus may not last long. Getting the vaccine is a safer bet. I can't tell you a single medical professional that has ever said to me, "You know what? You've been sick from that, you should go and get a vaccine now." Yeah. <laughs> I've never yeah. heard that from any medical professional. Of course, now the science, well the science is ever evolving, so we have to well we have to change you, it. You, you got to stay gotta with the, the markets. Yeah. Well, that's right. You got science. It works. It works so fast. You see.
4: I've read the blogs of a a pathologist that I I actually grew up with, and he was very mainstream, loved the CDC. These were institutions to be respected. And he was told by the hospital in Texas, you know, get the vaccine or don't work. And he's like, well, and he had no uh, suspicions. You know, he and his wife, they want to travel, go to the jazz festivals, whatever. He got the vaccine. Well, because he's a pathologist and likes to study things and see what happens, he tested his antibodies uh, like 30 days after that, and they were reduced to less than 50%. And by three months, he had zero, zero antibodies. That's when it it completely changed the picture for him. He's talking and saying this, you you cannot mandate something. You cannot mandate the actual uh therapy itself or the passport had the therapy because it doesn't work
0: no and it the the whole the whole premise behind it and let's just rather this is approved or not approved i think that that even becomes a moot point because even if it's approved you don't mandate this you you don't mandate something mm-hmm. like this no matter what it is mm-hmm. you don't mandate that somebody takes tylenol for a headache do you you don't
3: mandate that this is the same thing well, no. um, Unless right. you're unless it depends on what your motive is. I mean, because there's two well, different motives. You could you could you could aspire a depopulation, which that's the more, you know, uh, conspiratorial. But then the other one is just money. I mean, just you 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 had basically government say, yeah, you have to do this, at least at the local levels was saying this. And that brings in a whole ton of money to the pharmaceutical industry. Well, it just so happens that these politicians that said uh, you have to get jabbed uh, are also the politicians that have large amounts of uh, stocks in those companies. So they made bank while the companies made bank. And now they, the pharmaceutical companies. They have guaranteed patients for the for the future because you were injured uh, if you were injured by this, but now you're going to have to have medical treatment. so now they have uh, patients for life basically, and that that's we're seeing that more and more now with uh, medical procedures
1: and I think Alan covered it at the time, but they actually legalized insider training for. Congress members of Congress. I forget when that happened, but it was uh, a while ago. About
3: 2014 ish. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They, they so, supposedly so banned they have, it
3: and then rolled it back.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's completely legal for them to, you know, invest in the companies in advance of when they give them the government contracts. So, yeah, that's definitely a possible. I think the difference between, you know, uh, forcing someone to take someone a vaccine and then forcing or trying to force someone to take a ton off for a headache, I think is the idea is that the vaccine is for a contagious illness. This is a societal problem, they would argue. This is like Alan Dershowitz and so on, they would say. And so because it's a societal problem, they can, because it affects other people, you might spread the disease because it's a contagious disease. They try to force you to, um, they think it should be legal for them to force you to have a vaccine. I think that's the argument. Well, I think it goes uh, further
0: than that. It it goes further than that now. With COVID, it's opened the floodgates to this mRNA thing. So now they think and they believe that they can just run wild with it and put it everywhere. Bill Gates has been talking mm-hmm. about, well, you know what? We're going to do everything with this now. We're going to put it in everything. We're going to put it in food. We're going to put it in bugs. We're going to put it in, uh, in livestock. We're going to put it in everything. Albert Borla, again, who said yesterday, you know, we've had our independent investigators look over these claims of uh, of cardiac issues and strokes and and things like that. And no, there's nothing to see there. No, there there's there's no problem. We've we've administered billions of doses and we've not seen a single problem. This is what he had to say about what his company is about to do. Pfizer. Yeah. Pfizer,
1: yes. You've been very successful with the COVID vaccine uh, and I think has returned a
2: fair amount to your top line and your bottom line. But what about the rest of your business? How are you developing other pharmaceuticals actually come and take up some of that? Uh, Thank you for asking because indeed this is the most pivotal uh, year for Pfizer. We are launching 19 new medical products. 19. There was never a company in the pharmaceutical company and us, of course, that we undertook such, uh, such an operation so 19 different products in 18 different months in 18 months
0: 19 different products in 18 months so in the next 18 months we're going to be seeing 19 new products most of them will be based on the new mrna technology that's being employed in the covid vaccines yeah
1: yeah and then they have an mrna one for uh they're developing mrna vaccine type thing for cancer or something Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, They're working on a uh, on a cancer vaccine and it's going to be based on the same thing And it. What's what's incredible is I'm seeing all of these oncologists, whether they're from the US or the UK, I've seen them from from both countries. And they're saying that they're seeing a a massive rise in all of these rare, fast-acting cancers. And I know people that were perfectly healthy prior to getting a COVID jab, and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, they were stage four terminal on something, no matter what it was. I I know two people Mm -hmm. that had that problem. And now, hang on a minute, you have an mRNA vaccine supposedly to fix that? What makes you think that that's
3: not what caused it in the first place. They have a jab for myocarditis and pericarditis. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I, yes. I was just getting right. ready yeah,
0: to that. say, the CEO of uh, Moderna said, you know, we, uh, we've got an mRNA vaccine that'll, that'll fix a damaged heart muscle. And it's, it's great. It's really, it's, it's science fiction-like. So, yeah. Well,
1: There's never-ending uh, profits for uh, the companies. So, uh, they, um, they're never going to stop. They're just going to keep on creating more and more products to fix more and more of the, uh, the problems that the products cause and have an endless cycle of business for them the other
5: so, you know sorry.
4: the the idea alan always talked about science and scientists as the new priesthood and that is really the basis of the whole con the whole scam is that for you know for decades we've been trained to trust these guys they know what they're doing and they care about us and yeah, you know, they want to save us, and they give us these shows like House, which ran for a decade and a half on American television. It was a great he's show. Just...
0: <laughs> when I watched, yeah, TV, he it was, it was a great show. Yeah,
4: no, I know. but he's a curmudgeon, but he's oh you know, boy, does he have a brain, and he can figure out what you've got.
0: Mm-hmm. I I just like the character yeah. that that he played. I I just thought that that was funny. It was it made yeah, for good no, entertainment, no.
4: and that's that's how they they put it across. You know, he that you're supposed to like him, so that you fall in line with the idea if you're not thinking that that oh yeah he, they just they, they spent all their time trying to figure out what's wrong and how they can cure it
1: and you're sure. supposed to think that you know science and, and you know like scientifically you know, industrially produced these products are going to be the solution like you're like just like the vaccine like is immediately when you think of a solution to COVID-19 you know, Bill Gates and so on, it's like, you know, the solution is going to be a vaccine. And uh, your solution could going to be a thousand dollar pill. It's going to be remdesivir. You know, that's the solution. It's never, you know, something that could easily be found in nature or it's never, you know, different in, in lifestyle choice or something. That They're really pushing these products to fix everything because uh, you, you can sell these products for thousands of dollars or really billions to a government if you go contract for it. So, yeah, that's, but uh, we're, the whole of society has been trained to think. To look the science, and to expect the solution to come, you know, from these uh, highly, you know, may something made in a lab, you know, or some industrial plant or something. You know, that's that's where all solutions for all our problems are going to come from.
3: You know, and it's just you know not true. I have the question of now because we, we were hearing of um, uh, I forget which doctor was saying that um, there's studies showing that if you've had physical contact with someone that was just vaccinated within at least ninety days that you could they could have shed the spike proteins to you and you could have either gotten sick or you could have side effects um because of that now they're talking about doing mrna for every kind of vaccine rolling for uh, going forward um so what is this going to do to those of us that aren't vaccinated that won't uh, touch these things with a 40-foot pole yet we we're in contact with someone that has been vaccinated uh, or recently vaccinated what kind of damage is this going to do to the human populace greater and then what kind of other diseases is this going to spur? Because there's argument that some of these COVID, basically the evolution of COVID was happened too rapidly from some of the, the doctors I've, I've um, listened to. And they're saying that basically within that one year span, that was about five to 10 years of evolution that happened within that one year span. And there are, there's arguments that say that these vaccines actually spurred that evolution of the virus, that it it, it mutated quicker because of it. Um, in other words, it's only targeting a specific part of, a, of the virus with this vaccine was causing the, the virus to mutate quicker. Um, and... Uh, it 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 sounds pretty sound when you listen to the the doctors and talking about it you know and you use critical thinking it it sounds true i i think that to that point uh, i and i've i try to follow
0: these uh guys like Malone and McCullough have been advocates for doing what's his name uh, the late um what's the guy's name the uh, the Jewish fellow um Zelenko, the, yeah. doc, Dr Zelinka yeah. uh before he passed these three guys specifically, they they were putting out their own uh, regiments on detoxing and, and their methods of of trying to detox from this. And you know, I I don't know if there's any truth to that. I don't know, but a lot of these it's things. Now. What's is that, That's illegal now.
3: That's illegal now because you know that uh, you know what Ned was pointing out that bill that they passed. Yeah. Um. The uh COVID nineteen consumer protection the consumer act. yeah the act yeah yeah that basically so the FTC is going after a company that produced a vitamin that was specifically designed to help against viral infection. And they were saying this would help against COVID. And it's literally the same thing that Zelenko, that what he had, he produced it. It's the vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin K, and the quercetin uh, quercetin and zinc. It's the exact same thing. So now the the government's going to start going after people that were promoting those things. Because do you, do you, you know can't the, have any kind of competition to the vaccine to of get course the emergency authorization. You,
0: that protocol, that that Zelenko protocol, that's what he actually called it, if if I remember correctly. That protocol, eighty percent
3: effectiveness, by the way.
0: Yes, yes, eighty percent effectiveness. And do you know what the pharmaceutical equivalent to that protocol was, or still is, I guess rather, ivermectin. Mm-hmm. Yep.
4: And Zelenko, do you know? Ivermectin. Do you know who they've gone after as of? I think yesterday as Dr. Ryan Cole. Um, that has been speaking publicly, one of the, you know, ground zero doctors saying we can't do this. Well, because he was prescribing ivermectin, Idaho is going after his license. What what I was saying to Weston earlier today is that it is like we are in the Soviet Union and Lysenkoism is the only science and anything out of it, we're going to end up in prison or dead, you know, because you can put a seed. Trust me, you can stick a seed in a freezer and then all of a sudden it's going to grow in a cold climate. That was Lysenko. And here we are. Here we are.
0: And this is what's what's fascinating to me is the fact that they're still out there openly pushing it. This is a public release today. This is the Georgia State Governor, Brian Kemp.
2: I'm Governor Brian Kemp. And I'm the First Lady of Georgia Marty Kemp. We're joined by a very special guest today who has an important message.
5: Hi, I'm Monica Kaufman Pearson. We, we are, are all vaccinated, vaccinated against, against COVID nineteen. Illness caused by COVID nineteen affects our citizens, schools, healthcare heroes businesses, and our state's economy. That's why we are all encouraging Georgians to learn about the benefits of being vaccinated. Let's
2: take the politics out of it. Your decision to get vaccinated should be about your health.
5: And And on on that, that, we we all agree. agree. See, you, well, sh- it should you be can your- trust
0: them.
4: <laughs> that's right, because they have they got that down home accent, and you uh-huh. know, they just a good old boy and his wife, and uh-huh. you know,
0: you got uh-huh. it. Yeah, that's right, little lady. Yeah, the only thing that was missing there was a bale of hay and some snakeskin boots.
3: <laughs> the the thing is, though, is I agree with the statement at the end. The vaccine is about your health, and your decision to take it or not take it is about your health. So I agree there.
4: Yeah, good
3: point. Just, not the way they mean you know. they're still I, I cannot believe they're still pushing this. And,
0: and we played a clip of uh, what's his name? Tony Blair, who was down at Davos last week saying, look, we're going to have more more things in the future that happen. We're going to have more pandemics and we're going to have more shots. And some of these there's going to be multiple shots that are going to be mixed in with this. I see the fallout that's happening. I mean, we all see the fallout that's happening and you're going to continue on with this. And Bruce mm-hmm. made an interesting point yesterday. How long, and maybe the two of you can weigh in on this, how long do you think that the media, and he pointed out they're being paid very well by Big Pharma, how long do you think the media is going to be able to carry the water for them? Do you think that that will go on indefinitely when the bodies start stacking higher than what they already are? Of
4: course it'll go on indefinitely.
0: They'll continue. with You think the media will continue to of run course, cover Of course, because,
4: it? you know, I mean, who controls the camera? It just pans away from the stack of bodies. Don't look at that. Look at this girl with no clothes on.
0: Look at Kim Kardashian. For God's that's sake, that's right. Don't you want to see this <laughs> this plastic human over here? Don't you want to see that?
4: <laughs> no, I mean it's a. I'm sorry, but it, it's a self supporting system. You know, I, you brought up uh, Tony Blair at, at Davos, and it made yeah. me think. Um, I, I, just yesterday, I was looking to see. Well, what is the? You know, what happened? What do they do? What are they? And I didn't really find that much. But going into it, they were talking about the attendees. And I just love the way that some in the alternate media said, oh, we've got the WEF on the run. Look, Jacinda Ardern is stepping down. And it's like, are you kidding? You know, she did her job. She was there. She did what they wanted her to do. And now they're they hyped up for our benefit all of the supposed infighting that's going on with it within the WEF and how there's no. Uh, succession plan, and for getting, goodness sake, Schwab is 85 years old, and what are we going to do? And it's like, you know, but they were proposing that Tony Blair might be, a, if they're looking for a public face with a lot of popularity, he could be, if they decide not to keep it in the family with one of, you know, like Schwab's. Why yeah. for his uh, two yeah. children or whatever the
0: guardian said they were it looking It could at be tony come on yeah. tony blair running the wef i can't see that no oh way. no
4: i mean it's a total joke but the whole thing is for us to go oh well maybe the yeah, wef yeah. is collapsing maybe they're well, you, know. <laughs> you
0: have to admit al gore al gore on the stage down there was hilarious you have to admit that I mean, he the I guy is just. I didn't see it. You didn't see that. Uh, you, go ahead, West. No, and I didn't see it. I'll, you've got to okay. see this. I, it's too good to pass up. Go ahead, West, and I, I'll I'll go and I'll pull this. Yeah, I was gonna say another point I'm gonna make about
1: Jacinda Ardern stepping down is that I think Alan's brought this point up repeatedly, but like you know, he mentioned that Margaret Thatcher. I think she gave a, a speech back in the early nineties. Yeah. Where she mentioned, you know, the the actually when they step down, when their ex presidents or prime ministers, that's when they really could get get that's actually like moving up in the world for them. Like Tony Blair, is, uh, like he has his own think tank thing now. I think he's on the NGO or whatever he runs, and basically they get because they're not uh, answerable to the public, they're no longer elected officials. They actually do more, more influential work than they did when they were actual, you know, head of state. And so this is actually a bit scarier, if you ask me, to have Jacinda Otter and out of public view doing whatever she, you know, NGO, behind the scenes type stuff where act, where's the real policies get decided. So um, it's actually a bit of moving up in the world. I mean, the, the,
3: like, the, the isn't it? Don't they already have the dude replacing her? And yes. He's yeah. Yeah, yeah. already worse than she is. He's, so. yeah. he's terrible. Yeah. He's yeah. already terrible. All right. So a
0: special treat then. Al Gore. I've got two clips (laughs) of Gore down there on the stage. (laughs) Just just screaming hysterically about his usual racket climate change.
2: ...of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach 1 billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance. On this world, we have to act. So, in answer to your question, I would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had, and we need have had, and we need to make some changes.
0: Got to make changes. You got to make changes because you see that climate change that that, will causing all those climate refugees, and it's it's melting the ice caps and it's boiling the oceans. Of course. He doesn't say anything about the the oceanfront properties that he's bought uh, or anything like that, but you know, no, he's, I know
4: that's he's, the thing. He's very they concerned. all of them, all of them have these oceanfront. Yeah, he's, houses. he's
0: very concerned. You see, he <laughs> yeah, well, they have to act and they got to do it now. You got to enjoy it while you can. Enjoy that oceanfront. Property. That's true. Second clip: Al Gore talking about how he <laughs> he trains. We've been kind of surmising all these years about who's actually funding, like the Greta Thunbergs and all of that. Yeah. Turns out it's him, and he let the cat out of the bag on the stage.
2: So, in answer to your question, I would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had, and we need, have had, and we need to make some changes. We've heard about divides at this conference between. The North and South, and the East and West, there's another divide, increasingly, between those who are old enough to be in positions of power and the young people of this world. Greta Thunberg was just arrested in Germany. I agree with her uh, efforts to stop that uh, coal mine in Germany. Young people around the world are looking at what we're doing. They look at the World Bank and they say, oh, you've got a climate denier in charge of the World Bank, so why are you surprised that the World Bank is coming? completely failing to do its job. Secretary General says that. Everybody knows the World Bank is failing badly. Now we have the COP process. Okay, what do I say to these young activists that I train around the world when they come to me and they say, are you okay with putting the the CEO of one of the largest oil companies in the world at, in as the president of the COP? Is that really okay? Well, it's not whether he's a nice guy or not or whether he's intelligent. The appearance of a conflict of interest undermines confidence at a time when climate activists around the world, and I'm partly speaking for them right here on this stage, have come to the conclusion that the people in authority are not- OK. All right. That's 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 enough. OK. So, but- <laughs> so
4: a couple of things. One, yeah, please, you know, go if he's doing if he's doing the training, then we know why greta's so hysterical. And two. Couldn't somebody make that man a nice
0: cup of herbal tea? Something. Uh, Maybe the lady that was sitting next to him with the straw hat.
4: He's suffering with the angst of it all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I find it especially interesting that he's uh, screaming hysteric on that stage. And you know that nobody on that stage is challenging him over anything. So why is he screaming?
4: What are you screaming? (laughs) Who are you screaming at, Al? (laughs) He's screaming for us.
0: So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I see your I see your point, uh, but it's it is so imperative that we we take the opportunity to mock these people for everything that they promote down there, because this is <laughs> just this is ridiculous. This is like the, the whole thing has just turned into a, a freak sideshow down there. There were we have to be
4: our own Saturday Night Live because they were co-opted yeah. years ago by the woke crew. So,
0: yeah, and that's that's terrible. I used to love the presidential stuff they did back in the 90s. I used to love mm-hmm. that stuff there was a, um, I don't even want to, I don't even want to do this, but they, they had some musical performances on the stage down there. And I think the only thing missing was some incense burning and, uh, maybe a campfire and maybe somebody beating a drum in the corner or something, maybe some, uh, some, I I don't know, some patchouli or something somewhere. (laughs) somewhere. That's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like just a bunch of Bill Ayers types, you know, bunch of old hippies just hanging out down there. I, um, I'd seen enough uh, from them. And did you see one last clip here? Did you see that Klaus Schwab got cornered by an independent journalist? Did you see that? Mm -mm. No, you didn't see that? No. All right. I happen to have that. This is Klaus Schwab. You know, he's he's a busy man. You see, he's he's very busy. He's got a schedule to keep. It just so happens that he got cornered by an independent journalist from Japan who just wanted to ask a simple question. Just a question. That's all. This was his response. (laughs)
4: Uh, Jeremy Schwab, Jeremy Schwab. Uh, I'm from Japan, uh, may I ask from? you for, uh, I'm from Japan, Yeah. and may I uh, ask you for a comment? No, we're on our, our way to the next thing,
2: we're a bit late, uh, oh, but I can thank, just you. Walk with thank you, thank you, and you and
4: ask oh, I think we're gonna we're gonna rush, actually. but thank you, uh, thanks uh, very much. Uh, but, uh, which
2: which uh, media are you with?
4: Uh, I am an independent journalist from yeah, Japan. No, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yes.
2: I have um,
5: to ask, thank you.
0: No, thank you. We don't have time for you, uh, the little people, uh-huh. the, the independent journalists. We, we don't have time for you. We only have time for, for accredited media. because I we think know. it
4: was at... Yeah, that's right. I think it was that same journalist, the the Japanese young woman who so interviewed. Did you see the Swiss freedom fighters with their big, huge cowbells telling Schwab I, and the WEF? The, yeah.
0: I did not, yeah. no. I did see that the locals in uh, Davos, though, were hanging banners from their, their terraces and their balconies saying, this is what corruption looks like. Get out of here, you bunch of corrupt people.
4: Well, this was pretty fun. They, they had giant, giant cowbells. And the, little, the Japanese independent reporter came up and said, what are you doing? And they launched into their thing. They said, we're telling the WEF to get out of here. This is our home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Through the uh, through the covid thing, the uh, the Swiss spent a lot of the, the Swiss uh, uh, protesters for covid uh, came to Germany and they uh, have their, you know, their big shoulder brace cowbells that they go through town ringing with rocks. And everything. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to watch them do that. But yes, I would be very upset if they were in my town, too. Uh, I wouldn't want them anywhere uh, near my town. So, yeah. Anyway, last points. I know we said you we're going to talk here. Yeah, I'm sure they'd go and visit your town. Sure, yeah, I'm sure that would be great. I know we we said said we were were going
4: to talk about we were going to talk about government sponsored the the big event.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. You know what? We can spend some time on that. We'll go over a little bit if you guys are okay with it. Mm -hmm. All right, January sixth. I suppose we'll talk about January sixth. January sixth. The gentleman that put his foot up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Everybody's seen the photo. I think. Of the guy that's kicked back on her desk and he's pointing down at something or whatever, and he's got a phone hanging in his hand or whatever. This was supposedly the guy that stole her laptop. It's never been found, by the way, I might add. He's been arrested. He was thrown in jail. Well, he was found guilty on all charges and he now faces life in prison. I'm not joking. Life in prison for sitting in her office. On her chair, and life what, in prison. Specific crime? Did they call that? Was it like trespassing? Or I will get the actual charges here. I think they're in here. Because life in prison for trespassing. I think that's a bit that that's a bit excessive. Yeah, yeah. a misdemeanor. Oh, they're also well, getting was him for
4: something. Pelosi's office—that's the holy of holies.
0: Oh yes, that's that's a, that's a sacred site. We can't can have people in there. There, it looks like they're getting him. Four misdemeanors convicted of, including theft of government property, which he stole an envelope. And he's a beer. Which, and a beer. Yes, he stole a beer out of the out of the you know, out of her fridge. Why does she have at beer? Pelosi's
4: refrigerator. Yes, yeah, she, <laughs> oh yeah.
0: she had beer in there. So obstructing an official proceeding, uh, he was convicted of two felonies related to carrying a dangerous weapon. It was a stun gun. Carrying a dangerous weapon into the Capitol and a felony charge of civil disorder. Also four misdemeanor charges, including theft of government property. So he's looking at life in prison.
4: Yeah. See, this is such an upside down world that I mean. It's so awful. You just don't know where to start. When we mentioned that a few minutes before we got into the actual talk, you know, we were saying, well, they should have known that it was co-opted, that there were lots of FBI informants there. But, I you know, they, these these people had a real beef. And unfortunately, the emotional aspect of that was played on or preyed upon and
1: exploited. Yeah.
4: You
3: know, what uh? What happened to the uh, uh, Eighth Amendment? I believe it is you know where it covers cruel and unusual punishment. You know, yeah, and where, and the uh, excessive sentences you know, right. and the, things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What 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 happened we'll to see, that?
0: Because yeah, the excessive. These are, these are dangerous yeah, insurrectionists. The,
4: the other thing too is I, I think we have to talk about these things because you cannot forget the the real victims, the real fallouts of this kind of cruel and unusual punishment. And one of them is the fellow who got his life imprisonment. For nothing and ended up committing suicide. And there's just no comeback on the government, which are which is now the goon squad.
0: Here's what I want to know. Where are all of the so-called outsiders on the Hill? Where are they? All of the people that say, well, we're shouting down the GOP, you know, they're part of the Republican Party, you know, like Matt Gates, the used car salesman, as I like to call him, and Marjorie Taylor Green, and all these other people that say that they're part of the Freedom Caucus. Where are they? Where are they? The only thing we got out of them well, you know- was a lot of nice talk. And they went down there for a photo op in front of the jail and they weren't allowed in and said, well, sorry, we weren't allowed in. And they left.
4: Yeah. And you know what Marjorie Taylor Green is up to? I just heard this yesterday. She is supporting some kind of a bill that would make Antifa a terrorist organization and the things that would be coming out of Antifa, hate speech, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, we don't need more laws. I don't like anybody who's proposing anything that is hate speech related. Um, That is a slippery slope. So I'm not really sure what she's thinking. You know, all you need to do when Antifa breaks the law is punish them for breaking the law. That's it.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the points that uh, Senator Ted Cruz made when this whole deal with, uh, was the federal courthouse that they tried to burn down in, uh, was it Portland or was it Seattle? I, I can't remember. It was one, I, uh, I want to say it was Portland.
3: They've done it at both. Yeah, but, yeah, and
0: well, they're yeah. they're getting thumped on by the police down there in Atlanta. They tried to, I, I think the story starts, uh, and I've been seeing that everywhere for the last few days, the story starts where Antifa were trying to screw a stop an area of wilderness or something where police wanted to build a new training center and antifa shot at a state trooper injured the trooper another trooper shot back killed the person that shot the trooper and now they're trying to burn the city down
1: right there so right.
0: yeah yeah so i i get wanting to say that they are or wanting to say that they're a domestic terrorist organization i get wanting to say that but as you said it doesn't do any good just enforce the laws. It doesn't we do any good have.
4: because, listen, we all lived through this, and and we're going to be told, and most people will believe it, that it was uh, mostly peaceful. These are mostly peaceful protesters, and no matter what they do, none of them are going to face life in prison for for misdemeanors and a, a you know. fear. Yeah, yeah. To
1: be your feet.
3: on always desk. The thing is, is the news media is. Um, Number one, they didn't learn anything from the the summer of love as far as imagery and all that, because literally during that time, during uh, 2020, when the when all of that was going down, uh, they were out saying it's mostly peaceful and they got a two story fire behind them saying, <laughs> oh, it's mostly peaceful. This time they were trying to uh, w- one of the anchors was going over um, one of the papers or ballots or whatever that they're handing out, you know, the pamphlets, and he's holding it up to the camera, showing it, and literally he says they're mostly peaceful right now, and literally behind him they have a police cruiser on fire. It's like, mostly peaceful, really? It's ridiculous. Like, this is is just a clown show. And
0: this this goes to the point that Bruce was talking about the other day. They introduce this stuff now on purpose, knowing that it's not going to get passed. So they do it to make it look like to the, you know, the average voter out there. Well, we're trying to do this on your behalf. They're not going to get that through the House. They're not going to get that no. through uh, the Senate. I just saw uh, what was it? Uh, Matt Gates, the car salesman. I that's what that guy reminds me of is a used car salesman. You walk up onto the lot and there he is. You know, that's that's what I get from Matt Gates. <laughs> He proposed a bill to, uh, well, I want to say it was like dismantle the ATF or something like that, or disband the IRS or or something. It was one of those. And I thought, for what? Uh, Now, don't get me wrong. I think that those things need to be addressed. I think those those alphabet agencies need to be addressed across the board. But you're going to do it now. You're not going to get that through. It's not going to happen. Obamacare. Let's go all the way back to that. Lindsey Graham, everybody knows Senator Lindsey, right? Lindsey Graham says, look, we can't get this repealed because we just don't have enough power. We've got the Senate, yeah, but we don't have the House. We need the House and we need uh, the, the executive branch in order to get this done. Okay. Well, along comes Donald Trump. Like him or not, doesn't matter. We had all three branches of government on the Republican side during those years of his administration. What happened
3: then? We can't get it done. We just don't have enough power to be able to do it. It was even worse, too. The uh, The one that they proposed for um, repealing Obamacare, it was even worse because it didn't repeal Obamacare. That's what they touted it as. But all it did was remove the corporate requirements. So in other words, you and I would have still had to deal with Obamacare, but the corporations wouldn't have. That's all they proposed. They didn't actually say they were going to repeal it. So uh, it's a typical Republican uh, that we've seen here, at least during my political awareness. They say they're going to do something and then um, get you from behind at the same time.
4: Well, they feel your pain. Whack.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As they're making bank, uh, you know, in the case, in the case of uh, I I keep forgetting the guy's name because that's how much I care about him. But I patch he was making. uh, Dan Crenshaw. He made. Yeah. Crenshaw. He made more money than Pelosi on the insider trading.
4: They put it all to a good cause, though, don't they?
3: Of course they do. You know they they do. It goes all into their
0: foundation where it gets (laughs) doled out to to needing charities all across the world. Of course. Yeah, it's not like they end up like that preacher that has to go shop for a new Learjet or or a new limousine or or a new Rolls Royce. Don't ask any questions about that. You don't need to know about that. Anyway, Uh, um, that's going to do it. It is. It is. It it, it truly is. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, I want to thank you guys for being here again. Weston and Melissa from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I encourage all of our listeners to go over and check out the treasure trove of information that they work so hard on. And subscribe to Melissa's podcast on Spotify. What's the name of that podcast again? Melissa
4: real history real history with Melissa
0: real history with Melissa again I want to thank you both for being here this week and we hope to see you next week I want to thank all of the listeners God bless everyone and have a fantastic evening